We're here with episode 41 of Fear Frequency. For our new listeners, it's a weekly horror podcast where we round up the latest horror news and reviews and talk about a movie or two. I'm your host, George Frizzard. And uh, if you're a new listener, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes. Uh, and remember, you can always send us an email at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. We'll read your message on the show. And uh, this week, we actually have a new iTunes review. All right. Uh, yeah, so we got a new review from The Gore Score. And he says, Amazing chemistry. Found these guys thanks to the Final Boys. I'm always on the lookout for new horror podcasts. These guys will have the best new upcoming news and also have you dying from laughter with their random stories. Their views are also hilarious. Keep it up, guys. So thank you, The Gore Score. And it was pleasant. I liked it. Yeah, it was a pleasant pleasant review. I assume he was talking about me specifically <laughs> in my one, my one episode that I've done. Right. Uh, so the format is a little different this week, as you can tell. Uh, Jimmy's off in Salem trying to get cursed by a witch, so... He's not going to be here this week, but he should be back next week. So we actually have uh, our first reoccurring guest, Tim, who was on a couple episodes ago, to be the co-host for this episode. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> and uh, so this week, we're coming live to you from Shanghai. We have some news stories about The Nun, Stranger Things Season 3, a release date for Hell House LLC 2, um, and we have a review of The Meg for you. But before we get into that, I'm getting an incoming transmission from Haddonfield, Illinois. It sounds like our friend Dr. Sam Loomis is dying again, which means we have a Halloween <laughs> alert. So, our first story here is that the uh, Trick or Treat Studios mask that we've talked about a couple times on this show has finally come out with some final production images of what the mask is going to look like when you can buy it, and these look pretty cool. What do you think, Tim? This looks amazing. The detail in this is fantastic. Yeah, um, if you haven't heard, we've talked about these a few times, but basically what they did is they took the mold that Blumhouse is using for the movie mask, and they're just making it straight from the movie. It's they're making be... it a little bit more affordable. Uh, I think what we talked about before is they changed and used less real camel hair. Yeah, so they changed up the hair a little bit just for price reasons, because right. it's cheaper to use this, so as opposed to like camel hair I think they use on the real mask, right. but uh, the level of detail is pretty amazing. It's even got Michael's furrowed brow. <laughs> so, uh, so you can tell he's a little perplexed when he's walking around. Yeah, exactly. this is this looks really good. Uh, it's it's dirty. It looks used. Looks like he wore it during a couple of murders, which is awesome. I mean, it's funny that this mask looks better than like the mask in half of the Halloween right. movies. Like this is going to be the production quality one that people are going to be able to go to Halloween City River and pick up, and it looks better than the mask in four, five. Uh, <laughs> oh, resurrection, yeah. H20. I mean, it's crazy what they're able to do now with these things. But um, one more bit of Halloween news is it's going to premiere uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival at TIFF this year. So that's going to be releasing there about a month before all of us ple plebeians get to see it in the <laughs> theaters. So uh, it releases for everybody October 19th, and it should be uh, releasing about a month before that at TIFF. So that'll be cool to see what some of the early reactions are. Yeah. We're going to have to road trip. Just, like, <laughs> just tailgate outside and see early reviews from people. Get the word on the street. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm excited to see what the early word of mouth is. I know there was a little bit of um, nervousness because a while ago when they were doing test screenings, there was a reviewer who came out and said that the movie wasn't very good and it was getting a lot of people scared because people thought he was talking for everybody, but it was one out of the 20 people who saw it said it wasn't very good. And so they did some reshoots, and now it sounds like it's golden, it's ready to premiere, and uh, we're going to get to see what the, what the people at TIFF think about it pretty yeah. soon. 
I'm uh, I'm skeptically optimistic about this. Uh, I feel like my hopes are so high for it, and that always scares me a little bit going into a huge movie like this. Um, but I will be hanging on every word from everyone else <laughs> telling me what they think about it because I want to love it so much, but I'm I'm a little too excited right now to know if it's actually gonna like live up to my hype. Yeah, yeah. Everything I've seen in the trailers looks pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And ev- all the news coming out around it all sounds great. And right. it sounds like they're doing everything right. So it's just one of those things where we got to wait and see and uh, get get some of these early reviews going. Hopefully they're all good and we'll get hyped up for that October 19th release. And um, speaking of horror movies that are coming out pretty soon, The Nun is ramping up recently for... Uh, that's coming out next month september i think i believe that's right uh yeah so they released a new tv spot uh where one of the characters gets buried alive in a coffin and is trying to escape while valak comes in after him from the shadows it looks like and uh just kind of tortures him while he's being buried alive in a coffin yeah this movie is doing all the trailers i've seen for it they're doing everything right with the like kind of psychological horror element where it's it's all very uh misdirectional like you expect something to happen you're like oh this is going to be very good and then like they do something completely different that happened in the uh the first trailer where he's watching the nun then one nun comes out from the side right right and then in this one uh staring down at his feet and then it comes in from behind his head yeah it's that that misdirection really it really gets me (laughs) that's got me really excited for this movie yeah, I mean, I like all the... I at least like all the movies in the uh, the Conjuring Cinematic Universe. I think Annabelle's 100% the weakest one. And I hated Annabelle <laughs> a lot, but um, I think I saw the first Annabelle before I saw The Conjuring, mm-hmm. and, like, I didn't care at all, and I was really, really excited because the first 15 minutes of Annabelle are uh, the Manson murders, right. and it was, like, <laughs> one of the strongest horror scenes I've ever seen, and then, like, the rest of the movie is just a huge letdown after that. So, uh, I shied away a little bit after that. I still haven't seen Annabelle Creation for that reason. I'm kind of, I have a little bit of a spite for the Annabelle uh, series name, but um, this has me hooked right back in. This one looks looks awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for it, for sure. The trailers, both that they've released, look pretty cool. Um, very gothic and super creepy. I mean, it's right. it looks really awesome. It looks like an old-school like a Hammer film or old kind of gothic Dracula movies. So it seems like they, they're really uh, leaning into it 100% and they're doing everything right. Yeah, they're so, definitely uh, going in the right direction yeah. with this one. So. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. And uh, another reason to be excited for it is apparently, according to uh, some sources at Blade Disgusting, James Wan came in and had a hand in directing several scares that were part of uh, the reshoots for this movie. So... Uh, he was right there behind the camera helping to get some of these reshoots to shape the movie up. Well, didn't they say that about the first Annabelle as well, that he came in and filmed, like, one scene? And Well, he directed the elevator scene, which was, like, the second best right. scene in the whole movie. So. Right. <laughs> so if he can do that with Annabelle and leave us with, like, one scene that's super memorable, and that was kind of questionable if that was even going to be that good. Right. And this looks better from right. the start. Oh, yeah, this and, looks significantly better. And now he's coming in to kind of beef up the scares a little bit and obviously James Wan has a ton of yeah. cloud a ton of experience so kind of pulling it back to the origins of the series and everything uh, as well because um, they're separating so far every time they have a spin-off it's farther and farther back yeah. in the timeline yeah. so it's kind of cool that they're bringing in like 
the original guy. Yeah, to the do main scene, man yeah, that started to do the... parts of uh, of this new spinoff. Um, so that's that's really cool to hear. Yeah, I just don't know how the guy has the time between directing Aquaman. Yeah, and... he's only doing everything. <laughs> yeah, he's only like the most busy director Speaking in Hollywood which, right now. What do you think about uh, Aquaman? Have you like watched trailers or anything? Or you do you think it's going to be any good? Um, I haven't watched any of the trailers yet. Um, Seems like the re- the early reviews are not coming in great for that movie from everything. I, I don't know if they had official reviews or anything come through, but um, early screenings and stuff sound pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't really shock me because uh, Justice League was kind of a flaming right. pile. And, I, I mean, I thought Jason Momoa's Aquaman's kind of fun, but I don't right. know. It's hard. I... I, I said it when they first came out with uh, Justice League I can't see him carrying a movie right. he's kind of like that cool like side character he's not I don't know if he's a great like leading man for mm-hmm. one of these movies yeah um, so so that's a bit of a hassle just to start like making a character that seems fairly uninteresting and can't really hold anything together on his own make a whole movie about him I mean James Wan does have a little bit of uh, directing action movies in his past he directed I think Fast 7 right so I mean, that wasn't that great. I'd say that's probably one of his worst movies, but at the same time... Yeah. I do have confidence that he can he can I, pull something together. That was like the, the saving grace for that movie. I didn't care to see an Aquaman movie. I didn't care to see another movie in the, in the DC expanded universe. Um, and then they said James Wan was going to take the helm there. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I, I'll, I'll see it. I'll see what's going on. <laughs> I'll see what's going um, on with it. But yeah, I'm... I'm I'm shying away a little bit on that one every time I hear more news because it's never never great. Yeah, well, at least he's coming in to help out. Uh, yeah, the at nun, least he's going back to his awesome. origins. Yeah, doing he, some solid horror. He, he knows where his bread's buttered, so he's going back to, <laughs> back to that. Um, and then we got next on the list is Venom got a PG-13 rating officially, and uh, right. I know you have some some words to say about yeah, this. Yeah, this, this is dumb on so many levels. So the reason that they did it was has been cited that they want an eventual eventual crossover with Spider-Man and and hopefully the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which, based on trailers, based on everyone's feedback, I haven't heard anyone excited about this movie. It's highly doubtful that uh, Marvel's gonna like lend their weight and and do a crossover movie with this like shitty Venom uh, <laughs> movie that that Sony's making. And the other thing is that Venom would be a really awesome, like, really dark, scary character to do if they did it right. And if they're doing PG-13 and, and Venom saying turd in the trailers, <laughs> like, it just doesn't seem like they're going in the right direction to make this character actually compelling and interesting to watch. Um, the other thing is I, I would have thought that these high-budget studios would have learned from, like... Deadpool Logan and Logan. Deadpool that like you can do an R-rated movie and it can still make a lot of money and this is just one of those situations where they should have done that. Uh, Fox learned um, Marvel hasn't need to needed to learn that lesson yet. They're still making all the money in the world mm-hmm. every time they release a movie. Um, but you'd think Sony, who's had so many missteps, would have been able to take a chance on this one and uh, make it R-rated, really make it uh, what it should have been, and it doesn't seem like they're doing that at all. Right, because it's like, what do they got to lose, really? Like, right. You bring in Venom, and you mess it up, and it's like, well... I you bring Venom, Venom and you mess back. it up, then you just do another crossover with Marvel and let them take over the creative rights, and you do distribution <laughs> just like they did with Spider-Man and knocked it out of the park. Right, so... Because originally, what they were slating for this movie was that it was going to be a more dark, it was going to be grittier, it was right. going to be like 
And then he said themed. turd in the trailer. And then he said turd in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, It's like he was trying to remove, re- uh, review his own movie like while he was filming it. And they were like, you should say something. And he's like, I'll call him a turd. Just like this movie. Um, yeah, it's... That, that was a huge misstep, and that was kind of the uh, the final nail in the coffin for me. I have no hope for this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, not only were the trailers they released pretty terrible at this point. Um, the CGI looks The CGI like shit. looks pretty bad, and now that it's PG-13, we're not even going to get to see Venom and th- who's Riot is the main bad guy. We're gonna, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Uh, we don't get to see them really do anything too off the wall, too right. extreme, which... Kind of sucks because like that could have been a, the the big hook for that the movie. Could have like been we a redeeming, they yeah. could have completely took it over the edge and made it the most extreme, like n- not even necessarily gory, but I mean, I mean that would have been the way to do it. Yeah, is make it really gory and like brutal. Uh, they did it a little bit in Logan with him like putting his claws through people's heads right. on his camera and a lot of blood, but like it was all pretty tame. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it was it was gory it was, like, for tasteful. what it was. But uh, Venom could have been, like, ripping people in half. Like, he's huge, he's muscular, uh, he's got those teeth he could be yeah, biting like, into eating shit. Heads like, and stuff. But they're not going to do anything cool, so. Yeah, so. Good luck, Sony. Like, like you said, this Decisions. is basically the, the final nail in the coffin of this movie, and uh, I don't know if we're going to really. It's also the dumbest reason. Do they think, Mar- <laughs> like, do you think they've had conversations and Marvel's, like, snickering under their breath and they're like, yeah, we'll totally do a crossover if this movie's good and then they're laughing because Marvel's <laughs> never going to do that. I and think Sony's they- just, like, really serious. Like, oh, they- <laughs> do you hear what they said? They said they'd do a crossover. We had to make this PG-13. I mean, seal our fate here. I, I know that's definitely what they're trying for because they've had the Spider-Man license for so long and they want that right. to succeed. But, like... They let Marvel just do what they wanted to do with Spider-Man for two movies, and it's the best well, it's, he's ever been on screen. Yeah, it's not going to even be... It's going to be uh, at least... He's been in three. He has been Civil yeah, War, yeah, Homecoming, and then yeah. Infinity War. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be at least... Uh, he's got a four-part series of solo movies, mm-hmm. and then he's also, I assume, going to be in the next Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, so they're going to do seven movies with Spider-Man, and um, I, I don't see Marvel just accepting the rights from what Sony's doing with this Venom movie, regardless mm-hmm. of what happens. The only reason they accepted it for Spider-Man was because they got full creative license over the entire arc, um, and there's just no way they're going to allow that for Venom. I, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Especially with the oncoming uh, Fox merger and then getting the rights to like all of their yeah, other every other characters. Like, X-Men. And- there's no chance they're going to fold in Venom <laughs> after that. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, you guys still have Venom? Cool. I'll see you after I make another 100 movies based on these, like, 99 characters we just got. After I make about 35 more (laughs) X-Men movies, and then the Fantastic Four finally get a movie that's worth watching. Like, yeah, after all of that's done, we'll roll in your shitty Tom Hardy Venom. Right. Yeah, so this movie does not really have a lot of hope. And, uh, I'm getting a little heated about it, so we should probably change topics <laughs> So, here. move on to uh, this next story, which is actually sounds cool. I mean, not a lot of details, but uh, Netflix is adapting another Stephen King story, uh, In the Tall Grass. Um, this was co-written by King's son, Joe Hill, and uh, they got Patrick Wilson as one of the main cast members of this one. And the little blurb about it is, After hearing a young boy's cry for help, a sister and brother venture into a vast field of grass in Kansas, but soon discover that there may be no way out. That story seems vague enough to where they can do a lot of interesting twists and turns with it, 
where they can add a lot of scares just in the corn, almost do like a better version of uh, Children Dark. of the Corn or, or Scarecrow or or uh, movie of the month Dark Harvest Dark Harvest one and two. <laughs> um, for those that don't know, we watched the Dark Harvest series, and I could not recommend that movie less to anybody. <laughs> um, I wouldn't use that as a torture technique against <laughs> against people. Those those movies are bad. Yeah, it's like the most low-budget Scarecrow movie you've ever seen in your entire the life. The second... The first one's laughably bad. The second one isn't even a movie. No, so. the second one should not be defined as a movie, and I'm surprised that they had it in stock at the local video store. <laughs> but uh, this is cool, and there's definitely a pretty big profile actor. I think Patrick Wilson's great. Yeah. He's been in a lot of... Not even just great horror movies. I mean, yeah, I'm, he's been in both Conjurings and... Uh, I'm curious uh, what role he's supposed to be playing because it sounds like it uh, i mean maybe the brother and sister are older but i read that as it's children Mm -hmm. um so i'd be interested to see more about that and see how that goes yeah but uh i think it's cool it seems like he would fit in there since he's done great and everything he's been in fargo even like even on TV on the small screen, so I'm I'm super excited for this. I think this could be cool, and yeah. and Netflix does a pretty good job with the Stephen King adaptations as of late. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched any of them. Um, not out of any like ill will, not, just not <laughs> any reason. I just haven't uh, right. gotten to them quite yet. Uh, but I've heard amazing things about um, Gerald's Game, and um, also eleven twenty three. That's a eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, that's a Hulu original show, but oh, it's the same well, same way. idea. Yeah, never um, mind then. <laughs> Gerald's Game is that the only one then? Uh, they also did a movie. I forget what it's called. Um, like nineteen eighty three or something like that. Eighteen eighty three. Oh, like, that was a while ago though. That was, yeah, but it was like that's another. The King year eighteen eighty three was a while ago. Like, roughly <laughs> like <a>, time wise, <laughs> one hundred and forty something years ago. <laughs> Um, um, but we got a little bit more Stephen King news. So, uh, Creepy Kingdom has done some crowdfunding for a fan-made movie called Georgie, and they even about uh, obviously Georgie from the original It miniseries, and the original actor from the '90s movie is reprising his role as Georgie. So, um, it is essentially an unofficial sequel to the 1990 miniseries, and. Tony Dakota is the name of the kid. He's coming back to play Georgie as an adult. And so the main premise is, what if Pennywise the Dancing Clown hadn't killed Georgie after all? What if Georgie had somehow escaped death and managed to live some semblance of a normal life in the not-so-normal town of Derry? What might this world look like or that of the Denbro family? Would this horrific experience color their view of the universe? And also, uh, our buddies at Fright Rags are making a shirt in collaboration with this that looks pretty awesome. This... Uh, jumps out as me or jumps out to me as the epitome of like who cares <laughs> like it's <laughs> I remember really liking the It miniseries um, until I gave it a rewatch recently and that movie does not hold up um, Tim Curry still holds up as It mm-hmm. but really nothing else about that movie held up um, George, like Georgie is not a like, we don't care about Georgie. He's literally in the movie just to be the first death. Like, he dies in the first couple pages of the book. Yeah. He dies in the first, like, 
three minutes of uh, both movies, I think. Yeah. Uh, miniseries and uh, 2017's It. He, there's no emotional connection to Georgie, so them focusing on this character really is baffling. I'm sure it's just they got the actor and... Um, they would have made this movie with any of the actors from the original <laughs> series that would have like raised their hand to be in it. Uh, that's the way I, I hear this. Uh, I, I, I can definitely I can see that as like just like it's pretty easy to write it off because like who really cares? But it, it is also kind of an interesting look at you know how it might be seen in a different lens. Like you know what if scenario we get to see if it's done even a little bit all right, then we can see a little bit of dairy. From right. maybe a new perspective, maybe he—I I don't know how how in depth they're going to go. I don't know if like he's going to come in and try to help the rest of them, or if he's going to have a bunch of. I would assume he wouldn't, uh, only because he is—he was a lot younger. I don't think him and Bill were super close. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see if they're going to say that like Bill and the Losers Club like still fought it, or if like. Or it maybe just, Georgie is has his own vendetta against it now because he took his arm, presumably, uh-huh, and now he cool. gets his own crew together and he's going to go fight him. Does it say he has one arm? Do we know whether or not he has both arms in this scene? I'm going to assume it means... So it says, what if Georgie had somehow escaped death and managed to live some semblance of a normal life? So I'm going to assume that he was attacked by Pennywise but was able to escape and live. Gotcha. So that's my assumption. It's a little bit more interesting. I I want to know how they're gonna like, um, how they're gonna work around the whole uh, like story of it happening if Georgie's still alive. Right. Um, like, are they gonna still mention that Bill and and the losers fought it and won or didn't win or mm-hmm. like what what else what else altered in that timeline right. uh, to bring twenty five years later? Mm-hmm. Isn't it uh, seventeen years? Isn't it's like every 20, years? 27-ish years. Okay, yeah. so maybe they're actually going to... He's going to be around for the next uh, fight. Maybe mm. he's going to be around for the 80s fight or whatever. Yeah, so there's definitely some interesting ways they can take the story in this. And it, it obviously has a decent budget if they're able to get... I mean, I don't know if Tony Dakota is no, really charging, he, charging a pretty penny, but... Um, it says he hasn't acted in 25 years. <laughs> this is his first role basically since the last It movie. Um, so I doubt he's raking in the right the Robert Downey Jr. Him, money. They're not giving him a big check to be in this. No, fan probably film. not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I want to see it. I don't want that. Like, I don't care about it, but I want to see what they do with it. Yeah, I think there's definitely some interesting ways they can take it, and um, I do think that the logo is really sweet, uh, and they are doing a shirt on Fright Rags for that. So. Is that the one that's? Uh, the trench coat and the hat, the Georgie outfit. Yep, it's so it's skeleton Georgie holding the boat that he uses with a bunch of red balloons behind him. And Does he have two Georgie. arms in the picture? He only has one arm in the picture. Hmm. <laughs> so I don't remember in the '90 movie uh, him getting an arm ripped off. I thought he just no. I think died. It, I think it cuts to it just shows uh, Tim Curry's Pennywise's teeth coming at him, and then it cuts to like the funeral, I believe. But in the 2017, his arm comes off. And in the, and in the book, his book, arm comes they off. They find him and he's... Uh, well, in the 2017 movie, they don't find him because he still dies. Right, but you but see he, his arm come off. Right. Yeah. Um, in the book, he died there with his arm off. Like, yeah. he bled to death, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they never... Loose ends. They're going to have to tie that up. 
the very least, we're going to find out. At the very least, we're going to have... <laughs> Does he get a robot arm? Yeah. There's all kinds maybe of Maybe he's going to go Luke Skywalker, or even better, maybe he's going to go Ash from Evil Dead. Yeah. Like, have a chainsaw, chainsaw on there. <laughs> or just put, like, a shotgun in his, yeah. like, shoulder socket. That'd be that'd be a fun way to take it, for sure. I wonder if they'll go campy or if they'll try to keep it uh, a little serious. Well, the miniseries was not campy. It no. was, like, meant to be, like, as horrifying as, like, network television could yeah. be in 1990. Right. Um... But I, I think that is a series that Campy would work really well in. Um, Especially done, for a fan film, if, a, if you don't yeah. have, like, a ton of money to really do sure. everything you really want to do. you know, if It'd be great if they got, like, 85-year-old Tim Curry to play it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, have him, he can't move, he's actually got a cane. Uh, it's just all this shit Pennywise, <laughs> right. like, can't do anything. Against what I assume is not a well-maintained Tony Dakota. No, I, I, I'm going on a limb here and saying Tony Dakota probably hasn't hasn't kept up in the, right. in the gym too I mean, much he in the was, last 25 he years. He was pretty chubby as like a <laughs> six-year-old in that movie, so um, I'm just extrapolating here, but he probably is still pretty chubby, and I, I can't wait to see him and 85-year-old Pennywise go at it. Uh, so next on the list, Hulu is doing a new uh, anthology horror series called Into the Dark, and it is premiering October 5th. So we got a little bit of information on this. Um, it's going to be produced by Blumhouse. It's a 12-part anthology series, and they're going to essentially be airing one each month throughout the year. So we're going to get like a short horror movie every month throughout this year, and I assume if this works, then we're going to get one every month for Forever. the foreseeable future. Um, so the way I read this, an anthology series... It's not an anthology series in the way that, like, American Horror Story is an anthology series where each season's a different story. This is every single month they're releasing essentially just a short movie. Yeah. Each one is unrelated to the previous that, one. That's what I'm reading it as, yeah. It's really weird that they're even calling it a series. And I mean, they, not just calling it, like, I guess you want name recognition so people keep going back and watching them, but you'd think they'd just be like, Blumhouse is doing a, a movie deal with Hulu to release these movies on an ongoing basis. I mean, in, in one sense, they could connect them in the way that, like, maybe there's one overarching villain throughout all the shorts, or maybe there's, like, one character that's in all of them in some way, shape, or form. Right. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to try to connect How it like that, that yeah. or if they're going to have each one be a standalone and then just be like, yep, this is this year's collection of standalone movies. But uh, we do have some short descriptions of the first two episodes so the first episode is called The Body, and um, the description is, A sophisticated hitman with a cynical view on modern society finds his work a little more difficult when he has to transport a body on Halloween night, but everyone is enamored by what they think is his killer costume. That sounds really cool. That's, that does sound really that fun. Really that's, cool. like a, that's a really interesting idea. It seems... It's, it seems almost like it would be a short in, like, ABCs of Death. Like, I could see this being a really good, like, five to ten minute skit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to see how long these end up being, if it's going to be an hour um, or more or mm -hmm. less. Uh, but, yeah, that sounds really interesting, and I want to watch a lot of it. Like, I want to watch that a lot of times. It, it sounds a lot like um, it has a similar feel to the, I forget the name of the movie, but we saw the trailer for it before. Um, oh, or the with the murder in the haunted house, 
or the haunted town or whatever. Yeah, like Hell Hellfest. Yeah, is that what I it was called? It Something Hellfest. like that. Um, we'll get where, back to you on that. The audience. <laughs> uh, we did talk about the trailer a couple weeks ago, but it's basically uh, people go to this festival uh, that's like both a haunted house and an amusement park and everything and you and have to sign the waiver saying that they're allowed to touch you right and, and if you get injured or have a heart attack it's your fault um and then there's actually like, but there's a legitimate murders. killer there that's like yeah. an actual threat to the people in the in the show so this I, I don't know i think this is a really fun idea for it's kind of cool movie. that it's almost making the bad guy the hero and like He's trying to get away with it, rather than it being about the victims this time. Yeah, like, I I like that. It's more from like the killer's perspective. Yeah, I like the... that twist on uh, on perceptions. Like that that sounds really fun. Yeah, plus it being produced by Blumhouse, right? You'd assume that they have decent connections to, you know, good effects and actors and directors. Well, you'd think so, but then you saw the the Purge movie. But then, but then you see the, the first Purge, and you're you like, just assume they have no. You're money. like, and that was their big budget, right? <laughs> Um, but we also got a, a short description for the second episode called Flesh and Blood, and this one's going to be out uh, November 2nd, 2018, and it is, Kimberly, a teenager suffering from agoraphobia, has not left the house since her mother's murder, which remains unsolved. While under the care of her doting father on the eve of Thanksgiving, Kimberly begins to suspect that she is in danger and that it's always the ones you love that hurt you the most. This is really cool. It seems like they're really going with low budget, which is Blumhouse's, like, bread and butter. Yeah. But it seems like they're picking really cool stories that they couldn't make into full movies. Right, right. Uh, that's that's an awesome idea, and I think they're going to knock this out of the park. Um, this is also directed by the guy that did My Bloody Valentine. Which is which a is, pretty damn good movie. Right, that's that's cool. Uh, um, they're bringing in some, like, some weight. A little bit of firepower in there, right. a little bit of some star power. It is... What I do like about this is that so the first one comes out in October and it's Halloween themed. Mm-hmm. It's about a hitman who has to transport a body on Halloween night. This one, night before Thanksgiving. So there's like there's a lot of I didn't catch that, but that's a really cool. <laughs> there's a lot of fun things you can line. do where because they're doing one every month. They could do a Christmas one. They can for do a December, Christmas one. They could do like new a Fourth of July one, a New yeah. Year. Like there's a ton of fun. It's gonna be like um, oh what's that? Uh, the Long Halloween, the Batman graphic novel yeah where there's a murder every month that mm-hmm. he has to solve uh and it's everyone's like holiday themed they could do like that but of horror movies yeah i don't know if that's the theme they're going i with think it throughout is the i think entire they, year. they cited um the long halloween <laughs> if they haven't um i don't know can i copyright that i just came up with it right now but that i, I think that's a really fun idea and that's a cool way to spin this series to kind of be Topical. Re- yeah, it's relevant. I mean, it's like each time they make a uh, release a movie, anyway. Because I mean, a, a lot of times when you're watching a horror movie or trying to pick something out, you kind of want something that's themed to the right. time of year that you're in or whatever. So, I mean, having a that's uh, why that's why October is a huge yeah, horror month, right? Because exactly. there's so many movies that are centered around fall and um, Halloween and and yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is a this is a cool way to do it. I was not on board when he first started talking about it and then you go into the plots and like they sound like they are perfect for this no and like what i think is even a little bit cooler about this is you can do these short kind of weirder ideas and you don't necessarily have to give them to big time directors you can get a lot of you know fresh minds and fresh eyes on these things that maybe wouldn't be able to direct a full blockbuster movie with a million dollar budget but they can come in and direct 
a horror short that's maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour long, and they can kind of get their dip their toes in the water and really blow you out, you know, impress you in a way. Yeah, I'm really hoping that they allow them to just make the essentially movie that they want and they don't stick to a specific time. Like I feel like uh, streaming services have done that really well recently. Um, I hope they continue. I hope they all don't have to be 50 minutes. I hope if there's a story that can be told in 30 minutes, they allow them to just have like a good 30-minute movie. As opposed um, to having to stretch it to like yeah, twice the length or something. As opposed to like having to put in a bunch of fluff and, and have essentially a weaker story because of it. Right, um, right. I think Blubhouse is... I think they're pretty good about I, that I usually. I hope they're equipped to actually have that conversation with Hulu. Um, or at least be able to, if there is a story... They can kind of fill it in. Fill it in. Yeah. They they have probably people on staff that are decent enough writers and uh, For sure. have been in the industry long enough to be able to kind of stretch it if it needs to be stretched and not make it seem uh, forced. Yeah, that's that's what I want out of this. Um, it seems like a really cool idea, but again, it seems like a cool idea that like this director came to them and was like, "I have this idea, but I can't make it into mm-hmm. an hour and a half." Yeah. Uh, what can I do? And they're like, "Well, we got this awesome program with Hulu where we're going to be." Uh, creating a movie a month, and, and I'm sure they have a whole stockpile of movies that are oh, just like sure. a hun- like hundreds of ideas that they're like we don't know if we can actually I really hope completely flush this, this out. I, I hope they keep this going because even if I don't catch all of them, or um, even if some of them suck, like it's still such a cool idea. Yeah, for sure. That um, will hopefully be executed really well. And between Hulu and uh, Blumhouse, I feel like they're going to definitely been... have the the money and the the support behind them to really give these a decent enough budget to shine. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed with Hulu's um, original, original, content. Sti- original yeah. content that I've watched. Uh, so I, I think this is kind of a match made in heaven for this type of uh, series to really impress a lot of us. Yeah, so I'm excited for this. It sounds cool. I'm really happy that the, the blurbs of the first two episodes sound as good as they do, and I hope that that kind of quality travels through the rest of the show, and I'm going to be happy to watch a, a fresh horror movie every month. For <laughs> I wonder how uh, similar in like tone they're going to be. Like, I wonder if they're going to allow some to get super campy, some like, or if it's going to be kind of um, like this is the tone we're going for. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to stretch this into your into your movie. I guess um, that would probably depend on how much freedom the director gets. Probably that's what I'm curious about because uh, something like um, ABCs of Death. This this just reminds me of that a lot, mm-hmm. where it's just come up with your own. But it's stretched out over a year instead of right. one movie, and they're getting a whole movie or at least a whole like stretch of time rather than two or three minutes. Right. Um, but uh, they had a lot. They had all the freedom. It was just make anything you want that fits in. Like this if time it fits period. on this letter, then do whatever you want. Yeah. Like um, I'm curious if this is going to try because they're calling it an anthology series. So I'm wondering if they are going to have some sort of overarching storyline, uh, or if they're at least going to have a similar tone throughout each mm. of the uh, shorts, or if it's just we're just making 12 movies and it's going to be 12 different movies and you're just going to have to deal with it. We're calling it a series, but that's just so that people that watch it can continue to watch it um, in order. I mean, maybe that'll change season to season. Maybe one, yeah. maybe this season it's all tonally it's the like same. the same because it's all holiday movies or something. Maybe they want this maybe whole thing to be one, based yeah. on like month to month holidays. Maybe the next one it'll be a, an overarching villain that kind of goes throughout all the movies or yeah, something. Cool. Like it's a it's a, definitely a super broad idea where you can have a, a lot of fun with it and play around, especially with 12 movies that don't necessarily have to be that similar. Oh, for sure. But just need to have, like, maybe one thread between all of them. Yeah. So this looks really cool, and uh, I can't wait to 
I really hope that first one ends up being campy. That sounds like it'd be an awesome. <laughs> it does sound really, really, story. really fun. Um, but onto some news that's a little bit troubling. Hellhouse LLC Two, the Abaddon Hotel, has got a release date, and it is set for a limited digital release September fourteenth. So that's out next month. Actually, by the time this is posted, one month from today. So that is kind of troubling <laughs> because. Yeah, we, we just don't have a lot of information on it so far. We have the one short, uh, the fr- what is that, the opening scene or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have that. Wasn't impressive. Um, they clearly didn't go do uh, any reshoots or anything. Like They're just going with that. That's good. <laughs> they're like, I guess we nailed yeah. it on the first yeah, day. They were like, we got the opening scene done, so let's just keep making the rest of this movie. Uh, I agree. This is a very troubling situation. Yeah, and it, it sucks because I really love the first Hell House LLC, and I think it's one of the better found footage movies of the recent years. So I was really looking forward to the sequel when I heard they were making one, and it seems at least from that opening scene like this one is not going to have the same level of quality and polish that the original did and the fact that they're really not even taking their time to really flesh it out and they're releasing it a month after they just released the opening scene makes me feel like when they released the opening scene they said yep we have the whole movie finished and we're going to put this out people are going to buzz about this it's going to be huge and then we saw it we were kind of lukewarm on it and they're like well that's about what you're going to get that's for the whole movie. That's, that's generous. Um, <laughs> lukewarm. Uh, I feel like they're trying to do... This has become a thing in video games where they announce it much closer to release than historically uh, what they have done. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to do here. Like, not let the buzz die. They're trying to, like, here's the opening scene. Everybody get excited. It's coming. And here it is. Like, it's coming out right now. Yeah. You can have it. Like... That's a really, really cool idea, but it, based on the opening scene and based on um, this short amount of time between the opening scene, they're clearly not taking feedback from people that have seen it, um, and the feedback that I've seen hasn't been great. Um, and it's just, we didn't know anything about this movie. Like, what are the chances this movie's just been sitting complete in a yeah. in a lockbox for the last two years so that they could polish it up? Like, that doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah, I mean, typically this would be the time where, for like a big budget movie, they'd release this and then have like test audiences mm-hmm. look at it. They'd do oh, reshoots, sure. they would do, you know, they would figure out what works, what doesn't work, but it seems like they're almost going with the first draft on this. And I mean, I, I don't have any insider knowledge, but that's definitely what it feels like to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that's a bit disappointing. I do hope it's good. I hope that that first, <laughs> that the, <laughs> the opening scene was just a ruse to throw us all off and it's actually a really good movie, but... Um, from what we've seen and from the very... Maybe they're going anti-Annabelle on this one and they're going to have a really weak <laughs> opening scene and then the rest of the, <laughs> the rest is going to really it amazing. Um, um. But I, I think the Abaddon Hotel is a great setting. I don't know if I want to spend another whole movie there, though. No, it was a really good one movie and I think... So you introduced it to me and I watched it and was super impressed with the way they did it. Uh, I don't think I care. Like, I would hope... If I had my way in the world, which clearly I don't, um, I would hope that Hell House LLC 2 would have been an anthology movie and it would have been a completely different um, a different ho- haunted, house haunted house somewhere every time. in yeah. the world. Uh, like, I feel like there's a lot of content there that they could discover and not focus on this. Like, Nobody cared about the Abaddon Hotel mm-hmm. in the movie. It was the like movie that was made around the hotel right. that was awesome. And, and I think we talked about this a little bit 
when the original opening scene came out, but uh, one of the big complaints about the original movie was that they throw in this very mysterious cult where throughout the movie you see these men in black cloaks kind of walk around the hotel, and it ends with one of the main characters you know, in the room with like a couple of the guys from the this cult, as people are assuming. And it seems like we got a little bit more of that in this one, so I don't know if that's the angle they're focusing on. They're trying to kind of go a little deeper on that mythology, or if they're trying to just kind of bank on the fact that the hotel worked in the first one and it'll work in this one just because it's a creepy setting and we can make the mannequins move again and we can do everything we did in the first one. So I hope that's not what it is. I hope it's not a rehash. But right now that's what, that's what it's feeling like to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, but our next bit of news is that Stranger Things Season 3 will not be all summer fun, but rather the darkest season to date. So uh, one of the showrunners in a recent interview said that there's no question that, as you saw in the recent teaser trailer infomercial of the Starcourt Mall, uh, Starcourt Mall is part of Season 3. And it is summertime, so Season 3 has a really healthy dose of poppy, bright levity, and cultural fun. But uh, producer Sean Levy promises that Season 3 eventually goes places that are darker and unquestionably more action-packed than we've ever gotten before. He also said it would be a mistake for anyone to think that season three is a summer of fun and lightness because of the whole. It's uh, a whole lot more. Than yeah, that. it's a whole lot more than that. So, I'm I'm excited. I really liked season two, and I think that having two seasons um, based on the Demogorgon, I think it's kind of time to close the book on that. I think that it's an interest. It was an interesting enough, like the upside down and the Demogorgons and all that was a strong enough idea for maybe two seasons of TV, like they did. But I think now it's time to focus on the kids, which everybody likes so much, or the town. I mean, maybe they're going to try to take like a dairy aspect to it and make it where this town is just a thing where bad things happen. It's just a place that accumulates all this. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, like and a, it, it has all this weird things that just kind of happen to be here, just because it's like a dark place, and it's centered around this nucleus of evil. Maybe that's, or you could say, very similar to like Buffy. Very similar to the, Buffy. The hell, yeah, hell yeah, mouth. the Hellmouth. Maybe um, <laughs> you know that maybe. would be cool. Maybe they call Buffy out. That was <laughs> that time frame. That, was, that probably lines up. I mean, it's still eighties, and Buffy was like ninety four, <laughs> something like that. But. But yeah, uh, it is cool that they're saying that... I was probably way wrong. What, when yeah. was Buffy? Uh, I think Buffy did start in the 90s. I think it was like 92 or 3. But it's it's cool, because you could see how... That, that Starcourt Mall trailer is pretty uh, light. It's very... I feel like they kind of did that on purpose, though. Like, it yeah. came off as it's a they were trying... Yeah, they, they were trying to, like... Well, this is just all fun, and there's something dark hiding under here, and we're not going to show you that yet. You're going to get the fun stuff, and then there's something dark spooky <laughs> yeah. going on underneath them all. I hope it's the Hellmouth. Hope it's <laughs> but, I mean, that that's a cool idea, because there's definitely a lot of places where you can take this this series, because, I mean, if you do, I mean, obviously it's extremely Stephen King-inspired, and they can draw a lot from that and kind of make this just an area of all these crazy things happen here, and if we can actually have it all centered on the same group of kids that we like, They're that so we likeable. grow to love over the two seasons, and we want to keep seeing them do stuff and learn along the way, and, you know, experience all these things. Obviously, you don't want them to be in danger because they're little kids and everything. 
but I mean, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Um, <laughs> maybe I don't. But. Uh, I my my confession for this is I haven't watched season two yet. Um, not because I didn't love season one. Uh, I really liked season one. I watched it right when it came out. Um, and then I got stuck. I, I wanted to rewatch season one before I watched season two, and just never never got around made it to through it again. Uh, it's on my list. Um, I'm gonna watch that soon. Um, this has me excited though. I, I I felt like after season one, like I didn't want to see the same story again. I didn't want to see the upside down and, and everything again. I wanted to see new stuff. So I'm really excited for season three to take it in some new directions. Yeah, two, two definitely deals with more Demogorgon, more Upside Down, more all of that. I feel like the, getting into the lore could be interesting, and I hope that's what they do um, in Season 2. I I mean, I'll get to it. Uh, but I, I, I feel like the characters are really the heart of exactly. what Stranger Things is. So having one quote-unquote villain throughout the series seems like a, a miss... Right, because you're not up. watching it for the villain. You're watching yeah, it, you're you watching it see... because you want to see these characters succeed and what trials and tribulations they go through exactly. and how they overcome. Um, so I feel like having them do the same thing over and over uh, could get stale. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear that Season 3 is going in uh, a new direction, hopefully. I am not excited that they covered up Steve's hair when he was working <laughs> in the mall. And uh, uh, Scoops they, Ahoy. Yeah, they put that hat on his beautiful, beautiful mane of hair. One um, of the best heads of hair that you could ever see in your whole life. Right, and they just cover it up like a bunch of fools. They don't know what they're sitting on there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely some really cool... Um, cool ways they can take this. I know when we talked about the original trailer on this show a while back, um, Jimmy had a theory that, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the 80s movie The Stuff, but uh, it's essentially this food that when you eat it, it infects you, and so this whole town is eating this stuff, and it's marketed, it's sold in the grocery store, it's sold everywhere, and as they eat it, everybody gets contaminated with this, all basically become like a hive mind of zombies. And so this sounds Jimmy's very similar to the plot of uh, the original Batman movie in 1989, <laughs> where he just infected all the cosmetics, yeah. and then like they have the newscasters that won't put cosmetics on <laughs> because they realize that the cosmetics are like poisoning people. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so Jimmy's theory was that at Scoops Ahoy, they're selling the stuff, the, the stuff basically. So, gotcha. which which would be a fun way to take it. I'm not sure if that's what they're gonna do, but I think that is a a possibility and would be a cool a cool way to take uh, the next season but yeah um, I'm happy to hear that it's it's keeping the dark tone it's not going to be all fun and games just because it's the first season to be set in the summer rather than the fall but um, it, it it should be good I'm not I'm not sure how much more action they can really pack into the show after they go to a, literally a different dimension and fight these well, huge beings but it's like you know what what's what are they I mean, really gonna do from here? Uh, that's the argument I would make: is that they don't need to do that. They, they what they need to do is focus on the characters, and um, even for a solid horror movie, you can still have a character-driven story, and it doesn't have to get bigger each time. It can get deeper each yeah. time. Um, and that's and kind of the strength think, of the yeah, show. And I think that's where they. It seems like that's where they're going, um, with them moving away from. Uh, the underground, hopefully, or the upside down, hopefully. So. Yeah. So, said about that, 
um, hippie. I'll come with updates when I watch season. Three. <laughs> uh, you you got some time because this one isn't coming out till uh, the following year, so you you got a little bit of time. Yeah, I'll watch it tonight. <laughs> uh, uh, next bit of news is that a uh, new teaser trailer was dropped for the Fox special Inside the Manson Cult: The Lost Tapes. So it, it is really a, a short teaser. It's only about 20 seconds. But uh, it, it's basically about the Manson murders or some of history's most shocking and grisly crimes. And uh, The Lost Tapes offers incredible insight on how such an unsuspecting people could fall under Manson's demonic spell and how so many of them could commit such horrendous acts. And it premieres uh, at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Time on uh, September 17th. Go 8 a.m. <laughs> 8 a.m. <laughs> You gotta um, get up early. You gotta process it the rest of the day. Right. Or maybe it's just that long. It's an 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. It's gonna be like a long. Joe Bob Marathon 26 <laughs> hour. Um, no, I, I'm excited about this. I didn't know anything about it until we started prepping for this uh, show. And when I heard that there was a Manson TV show, I assumed it was like a drama, like a recreation of the Manson murders or something. And I was like, that sounds kind of terrible. Um, to do on TV. Right. And then we get to the end of the teaser, and um, it very much looks like a documentary, and I was, I'm on board. That sounds awesome. It sounds like everything I want, just to learn more about um, these, like, just vile acts. Like, some of the stuff, I've, I've listened to some podcasts about uh, the Manson murders, and they're just really, really messed up, so I would like to hear more about the people that got into the cult and, like, what forced them to do that. And it's... Sounds interesting. Yeah, I think, like you're saying, if they were to do a dramatization, I don't know if they could capture the right feel or the right. They couldn't really get someone to play Manson the right way, or no. I just don't feel like they could really. I don't know if anyone can really pull that off the right way. So, uh, actually, having a series that sounds more documentary-driven, that's about interviews with probably police officers, people formerly in the cult. I mean, that's that's kind of the stuff that interests me and the stuff I'd like to learn about. And this is what I would 100% tune into more than anything that would be a dramatization. Because if it was like a drama show based on the Manson murders, I'd probably watch the first episode and be out. But oh, yeah. this is something where it's really interesting source material. There's tons to go on. I mean, Manson... The whole cult is a super interesting topic just because it's... Like, his beliefs as to why he forms the cult are so insane that they have to be interesting. Like, it's it's inherently compelling information because it's so crazy. No other person could possibly conceive these in their mind. Um, and not only and conceive he got, them... And he got people to follow <laughs> right, him. Like, right. that's so interesting that, like... I would love just to hear from those people, or like just to see what made them tick, see why they yeah. joined it, what was going on in the inside. It's um, I mean, we don't usually talk about really too much true crime on this show. We're usually just about the the fiction, but it's a it is an interesting topic, and I feel like if you are into horror movies, you're kind of into the whole true crime aspect of it as well. So I feel like this is probably a series that y you won't want to miss if it's if it's done well, um, which it just sounds like it's going to be uh, analysis of recordings and and real true-to-life stuff so it, it it should be shaped out to be something that's pretty pretty interesting uh next on the list is so yan sang ho i hope i'm saying that right uh reportedly <laughs> is working on a sequel to train to busan so train to busan came out i believe in 2016 
and uh, a reporter at AIIK Pop, which I assume is a Korean news outlet. Are you sure it's not all K-pop? Well, that could be it, too. All K-pop. We'll do all K-pop. I think it's all K-pop. Right. I'm checking right now. <laughs> uh, so they confirmed today that a Train to Busan sequel is in the early planning stages with the working title of Peninsula. And the site says that uh, the film will revisit the same zombie virus that we've seen in the original movie, except this time it will focus on the entire Korean Peninsula being infected rather than just the one uh, train full of people. So apparently they're planning to begin filming early of next year, and they haven't cast any actors, so they have to... So we still have a chance. We still have a chance. We can be in Train to Busan to the peninsula. I <laughs> know <laughs> um, you haven't seen this movie. I'll give it a brief... Yeah, I have not um, seen it. Um, brief rundown. It's, it's basically that um, a f- people, a father and his daughter, he's bringing her uh, on a train to... To Busan. To to Busan, to meet her mother, because they're separated, and so they have joint custody of the kid. So he's taking her back to see her mother, and they got on this train, and a zombie virus outbreak is on the train, and people get infected throughout the cart, and as they pull into different train stations, it, it seems like there's very little hope. There's people in the train stations are all infected. There's hundreds of zombies. It's huge action. It's basically... uh one of the Resident Evil movies done well. Oh, awesome. And it's definitely one of the better uh, Korean horror movies of... Or Korean, like, zombie movies. I can confirm it is all K-pop, by the way. All K-pop. So, um, this was on Netflix for a while. I'm not sure if it still is, the the original Train to Busan. Um, but I, I liked it. I thought it was a super fun movie. It definitely got a ton of buzz just because there's some great action scenes in it. The characters are likable. Uh, it's a super interesting setting to have everything be so contained where there's literally scenes where they're like locking off different train cars because like this one's completely full of zombies so we're gonna have someone sit here and watch this and make sure nobody busts busts through and tries to get to us in this train car as they can see like a hundred zombies pressed against the window trying to get into them every second that they're in there but they can't do things like they don't know how to open the door. If they knew how to turn the handle, they could easily just walk into the train that they're in, but the zombies can't figure it out, so they're like, I think we're safe because <laughs> they can't even open the door. And uh, That sounds really interesting, and I'm, I'm trying to see if it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, I think um, it is one of the better modern outbreak movies. I think nice. that it, it tackles the subject in an interesting way because it's not like... Mm, a, t- a typical movie where you have a ton of open space, you can go different. I, I mean, it's like to have it be confined to a train is a it really definitely smart puts a different twist on the on the zombie genre. Um, like you think about the biggest one right now, Walking Dead. They're literally the entire country. Like they can go yeah, anywhere they exactly. want. And this is like you have one train. It's moving. You can't get off. I mean, eventually they they do get to different train stations. I'm assuming they don't. In my mind, they're not <laughs> getting off the train. But uh, it, it, it's still very claustrophobic. Usually they're confined to the whole train station or the train. or you know, They're they're definitely not able to just, right. just get off and go somewhere and be like, well, that sure was a crazy afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when we were on that train and the zombie outbreak <laughs> happened and we just got off the train at the next stop and moved on with our lives? Um, 
I mean, it does sound like maybe this might be moving a bit in the wrong direction since we're saying all these things have a positive about how it's nice that it's so contained, and now they're saying and it's called peninsula, peninsula, and it's about the entire Korean peninsula being infected oh. by the virus. I was thinking so, like <laughs> the Michigan Lower Peninsula. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess Korea would make more sense if it was the UP. You'd get like two people, and they wouldn't even. Do yeah, it. <laughs> nobody would care. <laughs> They'd be like, well, people in Wisconsin would be like, we might care in a little bit, but not yet. <laughs> so, I mean, they might might kind of betray some of the things that made the original one good in this if they make the entire uh, peninsula I mean, infected. Is but it the same director and everything? Same Yeah, uh, same directors. Yeah. Maybe he just had some awesome like open world ideas and he's just going to show us how good outbreak movies can be on like a, like a larger a large scale. scale. I mean, the one thing that is really interesting is they don't say the southern Korean peninsula. They say the Korean peninsula. So that could, that be, could be going into North Korea and you could see like maybe North Korea does have some weird technologies where they've been able to keep it back because there's like I mean if you think about it few the people, people there the people on south the people in South Korea would have to go through North Korea to get to the mainland unless they took like boats or anything right so like maybe it's just they have to like find a way to get across the isn't that like the 45th parallel or something like mm-hmm. that where the where the separation is yeah um they have to find a way to cross that without being killed by a dictator so maybe there's like a little bit of uh, like the human versus human element on top of the human versus zombie element. Uh, yeah. That would be a really fun. I think um, that's interesting. Not fun and like a <laughs> oh my god, this is so much fun, but like fun and like a very entertaining way to watch. Yeah, and it's something where it doesn't. You couldn't really have that kind of dichotomy anywhere else in the world other than the Korean Peninsula, since oh, it's yeah. so different between right. the southern half to the northern half and just think about like the the visuals you could have of like innocent people flooding a right. gate and like a like strong dictatorship on one side not letting them pass and then zombies running at them so they have to decide if they want to get shot or eaten by zombies mm-hmm. like they're just pleading but like that is that sounds really compelling and interesting and i feel like if they don't use that Mm-hmm. In some regard, that's going to be a misstep, um, or even just the difference in missed opportunity at least in landscapes where you have South yeah. Korea, which is one of the most technologically advanced mm-hmm. societies in the modern world, that has these huge skyscrapers. They have insane like, TVs right. and everything. I mean, Samsung is so much technology. I, I mean, it's like that entire southern area is just completely centered around technology, and so if you were to have that versus the you know, like farmland, very open, not as populated area of North Korea. I mean, just seeing the difference between the two areas that they live in is yeah, uh, for sure. Is an interesting. It would also be parallel. interesting to see why the uh, outbreak happens in South Korea. Um, like, what the difference is that it happens in South Korea, not anywhere else in the world or anywhere else on the Korean Peninsula, and why it spreads. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I am excited for this. I do like the original, and it's. I sounds, like the movie we just wrote about it. Yeah, I like at least what, what we were just talking <laughs> about, and um, if it's got the same people at the helm, I feel like this should be uh, at least a serviceable sequel. Um, so we have a couple more news stories here. Just this is the last one. Um, so the the Purge TV series has released six new posters, and uh, this show is going to be a ten part series that kicks off on September fourth. So uh, the new posters are, they look like they're inspired by maybe the new 
different kind of gangs that are around or the people that are going to be out in the in the city during the purge. I mean, we get a little bit of there's people in some masks, which is obviously like the purges. That's their shtick. Yeah, that's their shtick at this point. Um, but I mean, they have. It looks like the tagline for this show is "Will you hide or will you seek?" Which isn't necessarily a great tagline, in no. my opinion. Uh, but I think the characters do look like, very stylized. They look the characters look cool, but I don't. I don't know if I care about anything. <laughs> like I don't care about any of this. It's not about any of the characters. Like none of them are any any danger that I can tell. Uh, it's all pretty, like, bland. Like, it's a lot of colors, but, like, it's very, I don't know, flat. Each yeah, one individually. It, it doesn't really draw you in. No. Um, this we, guy's swinging his baseball bat at nothing, <laughs> as far as I can tell. He's got a lot of black clothes on and a cool mask, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't really like the last Purge movie and we've talked about this before Yeah, I, I want to give this show a chance just because I think that the other three are pretty good and I don't really uh, have too much negative to say about them other than they think that they're smarter than they are is like a, a plot but um, I, I mean maybe this show will be interesting I'm interested to see how they're going to <laughs> kind of drag the story out for ten episodes right um, since it seems like it's better suited for like a, like a more movie. concentrated event rather than 10 purge movies <laughs> in a TV series or but um, I, I mean at least the trailers look okay um, I mean USA isn't the most reputable network in the world <laughs> they, they've done a few good shows but <laughs> but um, I don't know I'm not I'm not sure if yeah this... USA has definitely had some some mistakes in the past that they've made um i don't know i personally don't care about this movie or this show happening i i will watch probably the first episode to see what direction they take it but um like especially because this isn't about any set of characters if it's literally just like random shit that's happening in the purge universe during a purge i don't care to watch that (laughs) Uh, if it's not about, like, a group of people and then you get into the territory that it's just the walking dead and instead of zombies, it's just maniacs that are happening. Like, it, either way they take it, I feel like it's kind of already been done and they're not really breaking any ground and they're not going to have the um, the options that they would have for just doing more Purge movies. They're going to have a... They can't be as gory. They can't be as violent. They can't be as... Uh, um, they can't use the language that they would potentially want to use like they're just limiting themselves by going to tv um and i don't know that it's for the best for the series yeah so i'm not even hesitantly optimistic i think the show is probably gonna be pretty bad oh yeah uh, that's why i'm gonna watch the first episode to see what kind of bad it is yeah i mean i I at least want to check it out just to see see what it's like but um they do have six new posters you can check them out um they're at least it's at least very stylized i don't know if they're yeah, gonna stick with that sure. idea that kind of very i don't know like, very uh like batman outsiders or like gang of new it is kind of like batman forever neon and kind of over the top right in that in that sense and I, it's a cool look it definitely is a cool look but i don't know if that's enough to kind of save the, the i'm trying to see it. how many different batman references we can make in this one episode <laughs> 
That's two for those keeping track at home. Um, and then one one short... Actually, I lied. We have one more news story. So Hereditary is releasing on VOD uh, August 21st and then on subsequent Blu-ray and DVD on September 4th. So it gets a little bit earlier release on VOD. Uh, I would recommend checking out this movie if you have any interest in it or if you just want to you know, see what the list. If you're into other A24 movies, I feel like this one's also right up your alley. And if you haven't seen it yet, I would, I'd recommend checking it out. Yeah, uh, it was definitely different. It's a very unique idea, at least. It, it tackles some ideas that are n- not really seen on film very right. regularly. And it, and it executes pretty well, I think. Right. If not, a little muddy. But um, that's going to wrap it up for our new segment. So we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back for segment two. We're going to review The Meg. Alright, so we're back for our review of The Meg. So, uh, if you haven't heard about The Meg, it is basically a movie where Jason Statham is a deep-sea rescuer, I guess. He works in submarines. Yeah, it's it's a... I believe it takes place in the future because they're at the bottom of the ocean um, for the majority of the movie, and he's the one of the only rescuers who's made rescues like below 11,000 feet. I don't remember the exact number, but it's when they're able to go far deeper, deeper than the Mariana sea, Trench. Yeah. Yeah. Than we currently are, so it's some future uh I don't know world. Yeah. So so the main idea is that uh Rain Wilson is a Morris who's a millionaire and he funds this expedition to get to the deepest part of the ocean and so and there's uh it it starts with them theorizing that the bottom of the ocean as we know it is actually just a frozen layer of like gas gunk or something yeah gas um and there's actually more ocean underneath that that point uh we just haven't been down there and there's never been like penetration from below or above so it's kind of just this like existing layer uh that they eventually try to get down yeah so inevitably they're able to pierce that layer in a experimental submarine and for some reason that pisses off the megalodon that's a gigantic shark and he (laughs) i don't know how spoiler heavy we want to go but like in the opening scene the meg is uh theoretically there i guess um jason statham has dealt with the megalodon but they hadn't broken the surface. But they hadn't broken the so, surface. So, like, that's yet. a plot issue, I think. <laughs> so, right, right off the bat, the show, this show, the movie is not very well written. No. It's basically just there for spectacle. The entire purpose of this movie is, this is if you took a made-for-TV sci-fi shark movie and gave it a $150 million budget and put Jason right. Statham in it, 
and set it in Shanghai. I kept like, Let's uh, see what happens. I kept referencing after we saw the movie uh, that Family Guy joke <laughs> where Peter just goes, "I wrote a sequel to Jaws. It's called Big Jaws. It's just a bigger Jaws, and then but they have to team up with the Jaws to fight the Big Jaws. Like that's essentially what this movie. Not obviously in plot or anything, but like it's basically just what if Jaws was what if Jaws bigger? was sixty feet long instead right. of like instead <laughs> of like, like sixteen. Yeah. So. Um, I think that the good things about the movie are it doesn't take itself very seriously, so they do have some fun scenes in there because they know that it's just a movie based on it's a gigantic a shark. Movie. Yeah, and they know that, and they work around that. They definitely put the effort into making it fun yeah, and making it a sure. spectacle. Uh, they spent the money in the right places. The CGI the is CGI very good. The CGI is some of the best CGI I've ever seen, I think, in a movie like this. Um, I'm very, like, uh, I catch bad CGI really easily, and it, it takes me out of a lot of movies. And this is one of the few movies that I've seen where, like, there were no points where I was like, that is that looks bad. Like, this movie looked good from yeah. start to finish, and I assume it was almost all CGI with that, that giant shark. The few times, you, you don't really see him on screen a ton. Um, and he's never really interacting with human characters, like right. Face they to did face. it the right way, where you can't really point out CGI mistakes as easily as as some other movies. So yeah, I mean, I think it helps that it's a sixty foot shark in yeah. a dark ocean that's predominantly blue, and he's a blue shark. Well, but they do, they do definitely do a good job with making him look realistic enough. Right. None of the like aquatic life looks bad. It no, all looks not at all. very believable. And they do have a lot of fun with the movie. They don't take themselves... I think they could almost go more in the campy direction. They could have definitely gone campier. It definitely portrays itself as like a semi-serious movie um, where they they are clearly just doing big jaws. Uh, they could have made... Not made more references to that, but they could have made more jokes, made it more campy, made it sillier, and uh, it wouldn't have taken away, I don't think, from the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... It sits at a happy medium between the original Jaws and like a Sharknado. Yeah, like for it's sure. it's somewhere in the middle of those two. It has some. Well, I think the director um, is it John Turtletaub. Yeah, that's how. That's what I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna call him Turtletaub regardless. Let's call him so Turtle Boy. Yeah, <laughs> good good old Johnny Turtles. <laughs> uh, he made a mistake uh, in his like press for this movie and said he was trying to recreate the like fun and excitement of Jaws and like you're already going to be compared to Jaws because you're making a shark movie you don't want to draw any more attention to that like you're not making Jaws Jaws is one of the best <laughs> horror movies ever made try to distance yourself from that like try to say you're making a movie that's like a better Sharknado don't say you're making a worse Jaws that's right. my opinion maybe compare yourself to the campy version not like yeah. one of the horror staples right like Jaws can almost sit up next to Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers yeah and like a horror movie icon lineup and uh, I, I don't think this is anywhere close to those. I think it's... No. And it's not trying to be. It's it's it trying to just be a very forgettable, fun popcorn movie. And and I think it does fill that void. I don't think it's... I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I no, think, I think uh, one of the things that stuck out to me, the acting was very serviceable for this movie. Yeah, like, acting was good. Um, none of the characters are like ones that are super memorable or amazing, but they all did their job in the movie. Um, I don't think any of them were bad. Like Nobody came out to me as like, I wish that guy wasn't in this movie. Um, 
Which is rare for a mm-hmm. movie like this. Yeah. You expect fun popcorn movies for there to just be that one guy that's yeah. just like, how the hell did this guy get a job? Uh, Jason Statham was a lot of fun in it. Uh, comes out as a drunk at the beginning, which is <laughs> hilarious. Like he does, he plays that part pretty well. Um, Statham was definitely a good cast for this movie. I think he oh, fits yeah. the kind of swarthy person who's yeah. dealt with the shark before, and he's kind of he he knows what's going on before everybody else does. And he kind of has a bit of a pass to him. He's like the he's like the Shaw, but yeah. like far less likable. Yeah, <laughs> but like he's still Jason Statham, so everybody loves him. Nobody hates Jason Statham. <laughs> I don't know anybody who hates Jason Statham. Yeah, so uh, he he fills that role for sure, and he's definitely the main character. I mean, for sure. The I think the things that they could have done to improve the movie are. I think they should have had more scenes actually with the Megalodon. I think a lot of the movie yeah. is about these characters that we don't necessarily really care about too much, having long exposition or long conversations about relationships or what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there's what's... that love triangle that nobody really cares about. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff like that. They they put but all at these the things... same time, I feel like I say the opposite about every other... No, I would consider this a monster movie. Um, and I say the opposite about most monster movies. I want to see the monster less because it makes it more intimidating. And I feel like this movie towed the line perfectly. Like, it's under the water. You don't really get a great look at it. There's, like, maybe a handful of scenes where you get a good look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that worked really well in this movie. I feel like it uh, it led to the size being kind of mysterious and making it spookier. Um, as opposed to, uh, like... I don't know, Jaws, you end up seeing the shark a bunch of times. Like, Not that that's a bad thing, because that movie wasn't necessarily like trying to be as spooky yeah, as possible. Yeah, right. but. Um, yeah, I could have done with maybe a little bit more shark, a little bit less of these like drawn-out conversations that I didn't really care about. Like, There's definitely some long sequences where you don't see the shark, you don't know what's going on with yeah. the shark. It's just about what Jason Statham, which woman he's going to try to get with or whatever what do you mean try <laughs> he's getting with any woman he wants um, but, um i get that i mean i think other than that I it's that. it's kind of um i don't necessarily think that we should have seen more shark i think we should have seen more action and maybe have the movie be a little bit shorter um yeah and just cut out some I, of that expedition. i think it definitely should have trimmed the fact because it's almost two hours long it's like an hour right. and 53 minutes and i think it could have easily been serviceable as a 90 minute movie oh absolutely there's like a lot you could have cut out and just kind of been more i mean not even add action scenes but just get to the action quicker yeah, for sure have less conversation and just kind of get to these big set pieces faster and end the movie quicker so we're not sitting there watching these super drawn out conversations. I mean, I don't think it's a huge spoiler because I don't think the plot matters in this movie. Um, but there's the love triangle with his like ex-wife. His ex-wife did not need to be... like She didn't her, have any previous relationship with him at all. Like, her that character do didn't need to be in the movie. Like Her character was in the movie and I have no problem with that. But the fact that she was his ex-wife had no bearing on the rest of the movie whatsoever. But they still spent like 10 minutes talking about his ex-wife and their relationship with each other and like was that his motivation for being there like that's not relevant yeah. like we don't care just cut We're all here. of that 10 <laughs> minutes out make this an hour and 45 minutes that's a better movie right uh yeah so i think definitely that's like there's some issues with pacing in that sense where yeah it definitely it's has very high highs and very low lows where it takes a lot of time to get back into the action 
and then an action scene happens, and it's like a big ass dip again, and it's like it takes another twenty minutes before we ever see the shark again. So I think if they would have cut a little bit more, maybe edited it a little smarter, not made it an hour and fifty minutes, maybe yeah. a little bit shorter than that, I think that would have really helped with um, keeping your attention. Not that it's really you ever lose like a a ton of uh, like. It's not a movie I want to watch again. Yeah. Um, if this was a 90 minute movie, I could see myself like maybe picking it up on a cheap Blu-ray sale or something yeah. like that and watching it in the summer when I'm looking for a nice themed movie. Um, like I'd a hundred percent watch this when it comes on Netflix. Yeah. Like absolutely. next summer I'd watch it. I'd be like, yeah, I'll just throw it on one night while right. I'm doing something. I mean, it's one of those movies that you can kind of use as background noise right. or if you have a But mo- if this movie was 90 minutes long, this would be like the way that they made the CGI good. Uh, it looks really good. Jason Statham's cool in it. Like, uh, if this movie was an hour and a half, I'd pick it up. I'd get it for ten dollars on Blu-ray yeah. and, and watch it every summer or something like that. Like, it it would have been a much better movie, I think. If, if I agree with you, if they trimmed the fat a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I I don't really have too much more to say about it. I think that it uh it's serviceable. It's a fun popcorn movie. Um, the shark looks good. The action's pretty good. Jason Satham there's is... a couple of plot twists that are kind of fun. Yeah, there's some fun plot twists. Uh, Jason Satham's a good front man for the movie. Um, and every movie. Yeah, so I'd probably give it a 2 out of 5. 2 out of 5? Um, I'd probably give it a better score than that. I'd probably give it a 3 out of 5. Um, but just because I I was blown away by the CGI. Yeah, CGI was good. very good. Um, and that's usually the place they don't spend enough money in. And right. I think this movie knew where it needed to spend. It, it got Jason Statham. It got the CGI right. Um, they spent less on writing, and they ended up with some stupid plot holes and some uh, some stupid bad uh, writing, but... bad writing and and scenes that didn't matter and stuff like that. But. Um, those are the scenes where you can shut your brain off. Like you said, if it's in, if it's on in the background and you're doing something else, just focus on something else for those exposition scenes and just focus on like the kind of cool idea that we're not even close to the bottom of the ocean yet and we're uh, in the presence of these like giant dinosaur prehistoric. sharks. <laughs> uh, like it, it was cool. I, I it was it was fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think it was a, a fun movie. And I think if you're looking for just something where you want to go to the movie theater and shut your brain off and you have a movie pass or an AMC uh, premiere, yes. A-list, whatever, I'd say this is a fine use of one of your uses yeah, for, for sure. the week. But um, So, I mean, that's that's a review of The Meg. Um, do you have any last words, Tim? I got nothing else. Uh, so, uh, I know I mentioned this at the beginning, but... We really appreciate it if you go and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us become noticed and become part of the new and noteworthy section. Um, your reviews have been great so far. It's been overwhelmingly positive. We really appreciate them. And uh, you can always send any emails, any suggestions, feedback, uh, fan mail, whatever you want to send to uh, fiercefrequencypodcast at gmail.com. Email them and tell them you don't like me on the show so I can <laughs> stop doing this. <laughs> uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. As always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening.